This morning in North Carolina, wheels are spinning. Determination is winning. A passion is now a thriving business, and it shows no signs of slowing down. How? The power of a conversation. Like the one Clint Spiegel had with First Horizon Bank about starting a bike wheel manufacturing facility in Asheville. Now it's not just talk, it's rubber meets road. First Horizon Bank. Let's find a way. Go to firsthorizon.com slash Clint. First Horizon Bank, member FDIC. Sports Today proudly presents the Chuck Oliver Show. It's an inside look at everything college football. Now live from Atlanta, Georgia, it's time to talk college football with the reigning king of college football, Chuck Oliver, on Southern Sports Today. Out of folks listening right now. About to have your favorite college football season ever. Chuck Oliver Show on a Tuesday. And we broadcast, I guess, traditional radio stations at Nine State 60 Sticks. We're not on in Eugene, Oregon. Um, we're on in places where folks care about college football a whole lot, a lot. And I think that our listeners, by and large, anywhere you cast your eyes in the footprint of the show, you're going to find men and women who have experienced a whole lot of fun college football seasons in particular for their school, whether they went there or root for them or it's the local school or my kids there or whatever. A lot of college football been consumed and a lot of my favorite season ever. What are you talking about? Well, certainly given your age, this can supersede it. Um, If you're an Arkansas fan and you're like 77, I don't know, like Jimmy Johnson. Hey, coach. Uh, I'm certain he listens on the app in Key West. Is he still in Key West? Uh, I'm sure Jimmy Johnson listens. But So he, as an Arkansas fan, alum, former varsity letterman, all right, it won't be his favorite college season ever. He coached a national championship at Miami. May not be his, but for anyone who's, I don't know, teens, 20s, 30s, 40s, 50s even, And I mean a lot of you listening. Anywhere between like 15 and 50. There's a very good chance this coming season will be your favorite college football season ever. Because a lot of you, and I mean different new fan bases. A lot of you are going to get the feel of being in the club. Being pretty. Special treatment. And we've talked about this. Ohio State, when they didn't win their conference but got into the playoffs, whatever year that was, uh, that's not fair. I was like, what was it? Deserves got nothing to do with it? <laughs> of course it's not fair. Ohio State's pretty. Life's easier for pretty people. So Ohio they don't have to do as much. And the door gets opened anyway. Steak and ale for prom? No, probably not. She's pretty. So, a lot of folks listening right now, and I'm going to, like, when I say you, um, when I use second person, um, it's only because I'm an Auburn grad and fan and donor to a very small grain of sand on the beach. But I've experienced a national championship. And so in my lifetime, 
and SEC titles and undefeated seasons and even one when you're on probation country. I mean, um, so I've had that feeling before, so I know what it is. And so I'm kind of already, I've, I've at least, and I'm so far away from that right now. Oh, my goodness. But I've done that. We're on in Georgia. We're on Florida. Like a lot of the fan bases, we're on in Tuscaloosa. Tuscaloosa fans say, yeah, I'm pretty. Yeah, you are. That's not what I'm talking about. I'm talking about different fan bases, new fan bases who are going to feel like, hey, wait a minute. This this is what flying charter is like? There are articles now appearing, and as soon as the national championship game is over, and it used to be kind of easier to do this, uh, I mean, as soon as the national championship game, uh, the confetti's still falling, and way too early top 25. Well, you used to just look at who's got eligibility left, who's not going to go to the NF. Okay, well, this is my way too early. You're sort of projecting which coaching staff do you trust. That's kind of where you are now. For So way too early top 25, that's something that appears now. And honestly, it's just conversa- it's fun conversation, and I consume all of it. But as far as actually being a window into the feet, that stop. It's just great, fun conversation in January, which there's a lot of value to. Another one of those sort of articles that starts appearing in January, February, it's supposed to be a lot more spot on because, I don't know, it's something that's on a contract and the calendar. Articles now appearing also include top five games, top ten games, etc. To determine the playoff field. To impact the playoffs, to et cetera. Top X number of games that will determine the playoff field. When I say different and new fan bases will start to feel pretty, I'm not even talking about making the playoffs because that's not necessarily going to happen a lot. And in the instant that Texas Tech gets announced as a playoff team, which people in Waco were like, really? Uh, or even Lubbock. Um, we're play. We're going to the playoffs. Yes, you are as the 12 seed, and you'll play in Athens, for instance, or in Baton Rouge. And so then it's like, oh, sad face. So because you're going to find that out in the instant. So I'm not even talking about where I'm. I get to feel pretty as a Texas Tech fan. I get no, 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 no. Not because you're going to be a playoff team. Because of what leads up to that. The articles, and I saw one uh, last night, I think, or this morning on ESPN.com. It's the latest top five games that will determine the playoff field or top 12 games that will determine the 12 teams. There's all kinds of different spin, and basically what it is is let's look at the big-time games that, again, the way these articles have been framed will determine the postseason. Well, when it was two teams, and then when they expanded it to four teams, well, a little different. It's 12 now. The top five games to determine the playoff field? Think of the fan bases involved. And I'll say this past season or virtually every season up to now, it's the same fan bases, alumni, students who experience this most seasons. It's the same fan bases, everybody, people attending the games 
for the most part, they've experienced this before, and they look at each other and go, we're pretty. And their friends go, yeah, I know we're pretty. We don't even have to win today, and we can still go to the playoffs. I know. Isn't it awesome to be us? If I could be anybody, I'd be me. That's an Ohio State fan most years. If we DeLorean back to the November 1st, 2023, and I let any of you, myself included, ahead of the final month of the season, pick the top five games that will impact the playoffs. I don't know. The first one, number three versus number seven, Michigan at Penn State. I had Ohio State, Michigan. I had LSU, Bama. Ole Miss, Georgia. Remember, that was nine versus two. And you're like, Ole Miss only got one loss. Huh. And then probably Utah and Washington. Folks, who in there is pretty? Ohio State, Michigan, LSU, Bama, Georgia, they're all pretty. Ole Miss getting there? Utah's rugged more so than pretty. And then there's UW. So what have those fan bases experienced? I don't know. I think Washington, weren't they the last Pac-12 program to qualify? Yeah, I think I did the game. Was that in Atlanta versus Alabama? Um, So, yeah. Ohio State, Michigan, LSU, Bama, Ole Miss, Georgia, Penn State, Washington. Yes, pretty, 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 pretty. I have looked ahead to this November. You are invited to do the same. My five games for this November, the five most impactful games to play off field. How about Louisville versus Kentucky? LSU versus Alabama, I don't believe, will be impactful to the playoff field because there's a scenario where they're both making it. Ohio State versus Michigan? I don't know. If I could walk to the window, I'm going to be at Harris in a couple of weeks. Is there a special bet where I can say, I want to bet right now? I bet there is. A parlay, Ohio State and Michigan are both playoff teams. I I know there is because they're both on the board. As absolutely, I would bet Ohio State and Michigan both make the playoffs right now. I don't know what the rosters are. I don't know who I was. I I don't know Ohio State's quarterback. I'm like, and and, uh, Michigan needs a new quarterback too, and a coach, I think. And I'm like, yep, they're both in. Why? Hashtag 12 teams. That game's not impactful. You know what's impactful? Louisville and Kentucky this November. How about the Egg Bowl? For a two-loss Mississippi State team going, hmm, maybe they're not going to have two losses. Um, Or an Ole Miss team that has two losses and Mississippi State's looking at them going, knockout punch. Thanksgiving night or day after or whenever they're playing. Imagine that. Mississippi State going, you know, normally we can just kind of ruin your season, give you a bad taste. Get home. Turkey's cold anyway. Enjoy that. That's like sometimes that's all you can do. Imagine snatching the playoffs out of a season that has been labeled in Oxford a load-up season. And then, folks, I'm not kidding. Exercise right now. Hey, do this. Maryland, Oregon play? I'm not kidding. Look at Maryland's schedule and what the Terrapins, fear the turtle, Look at what the Terrapins may be record-wise. 
on the morning of November 9th, the team, they get out of bed at wherever hotel there is in Eugene, go downstairs for the breakfast. They've got the silver pans with the sterno under it, and everybody's in line getting their breakfast. That morning, hey, do you have Maryland's schedule? I do. Go through that. Tell me what scares you. And even when you get to USC, at least that's at home. Um, to go, go. You tell me what record-wise, Mer- could that be seven and one without anything unusual happening? Ah, man, I'm reluctant when, in general, with with any Mike Loxley coach team to think that they could actually be consistent enough. But yeah, if you're if you're talking about strictly games that on raw talent alone nobody will give them a chance, uh, maybe Oregon on the road, as you say probably people would still lean Trojans, although, again, West Coast coming East Coast, who knows? And Penn State has been playing as grits when it comes to uh, the good teams. Okay. But they do have them in that final week. And and again, I said the morning of, of November 9th, the final month of the season, the top five games that will impact who makes the playoffs and who does not. Maryland season, I will walk this through you because you're behind the wheel right now. See, Heath has a computer. I don't want you looking on your phone. Maryland opens the season at home versus UConn. I'm not going to play the win-loss game. I am not. That's a win. Um, I'm not going to play that. You do this in your brain. UConn, Michigan State, Virginia, Villanova, Indiana, Northwestern. They host Southern Cal. And then at Minnesota. Those are the first eight games. Their record after the first eight games, I don't think anything unusual would have to happen for it to be 7-1. and one. Depending on what's going on at USC, it could be 8-0. I don't expect that, but that is at least an asterisk because, again, West Coast team, I talked about that Stanford Army game, threw my wallet a curveball about 10 years ago. Um, but apparently Stanford kids kicking off at, like, I don't know, 9 a.m. body time. Um, they're so disciplined. Mm-hmm. So that West Coast to like the and I promise you, if Maryland can make that a noon kickoff, Maryland will volunteer for that eleven a.m. thing that the ACC does some. So, uh, folks, seven and one the morning of the Oregon game. That's not unusual. Maryland at Oregon for a playoff spot for real real now what do i expect to happen heath went ahead and advanced the ball there i think that they're going to go out to outson stadium and they're going to get exposed a little bit and then i think iowa may take them and then at pence like they're not even close to as good of a buttoned up real legit team as penn state penn state's not a national championship contender they're a lot more than maryland is and so i think it kind of comes apart but I'm talking about November games, like scheduled games right now. Maryland at Oregon, it can't be a top five game. Folks, I think it is. Versus LSU, Alabama. Or Ohio State, Michigan. Blood sport. You lose, it's over. So that's what we get. A lot of fan bases, and I mean, this is to them, When was the last time a Maryland football fan felt pretty? A Kentucky football fan. Here's the, I can tell you, wasn't it 18 when they started out like nine and one and hosted Georgia for the SEC East because of how the math was like that. But here's what every Kentucky fan knew that morning. We're going to lose. They didn't feel pretty. They felt like we're kind of an imposter. Folks, Ole Miss 
they're starting to like stretch their elbows a little. Hmm, feeling pretty. I like this. So it's a whole new list of games, folks. All right, we're going to take a quick break. Come back, jump into it next. The king of college football, no matter where you go, with a new Southern Sports Today app. Catch the best college football conversation in the South everywhere with the SST live stream and daily podcast. Downloaded now at the App Store and the Google Play Store. Now more of the best college football talk in the country. It's the Chuck Oliver Show. Oh, I felt great. You know, I was, uh, um, you know, around, and so uh, Izzy and I decided to um, get in the game, and uh, it was actually a shock that, that um, you know, they put me on the jumbotron like that, but uh, that was fun to, to see, fun to interact with the crowd, and uh, good to be back. Bonex, former Auburn quarterback, former Oregon quarterback, soon to be, I don't know, the Vikings taking to replace Kirk Cousins. I don't know. And he was at the Auburn basketball game on Saturday. He did not say, you know, even when I was at Auburn, I was struggling. Oregon, they continued to hit me up, and so I transferred. No, he left that part out. I was Kate and Proctor yesterday talking about Iowa. So, <clears throat> Bo Nix, NFL draft, and that man is about to uh, go off and build his resume. Good for him. There is an elite status in college football that has all but disappeared. And I mean program-wise, at any point in college football history in a rolling three, four-season sort of window, there's always been a very small collection of teams, very small, in the I-don't-care-where-the-game-is category. It's a lingering status that a program slowly earns over a few seasons and then it's in August, and we realize during conversation with a friend that, yeah, Clemson plays FSU. And now that I look at it, yes, it will be in Tallahassee. I don't care. I don't. That you've got a busy week at work. And it's Thursday before you can really kind of start planning your Saturday. You got the six-year-old soccer game in the morning, and you'll do that because that gets you a block of time later. You go by the church barbecue. You'll pick up some to-go. A couple other errands, 3.30, couch. I'm there. So I've got all this stuff planned. And now it's Thursday, and I'm looking at my day here. Oh, the game's in Tallahassee. Yes. Yes, Saturday, Clemson plays in Tallahassee. And when I say I don't care, as in I don't believe it affects Clemson winning or losing, they have moved beyond that. And I will say if we can go back in time to 2018, they had moved beyond that. 2018, I didn't care that the game was in Tallahassee versus Clemson or I don't know, they stopped halfway. Meet you in Albany. Let's just duke it out, man. Let's swing. I looked at Clemson and I was like, their defensive line has a Raider, a Charger, a Jet, and a Bear. I was like, all right, I'm in. I'll take them. Well, the game's in Tallahassee. Good for the concessionaires. Less so for Florida State. Like, that was a status. And I just picked, like I said, in any window, think of your window in middle school or when you first – 
college age or now or any window where you've been a college football fan there's always been a couple of teams and i mean like two or three or four at the most where you go yeah i don't care where the game is and for clemson they got into a window a pocket where i did sure they play south carolina sec school i fine i don't care games in charlotte games in athens i don't care and speaking of athens that's a real status. And when you can go back and you can think about an individual season or a two or three window, you know, a seasonal window, and there's always been a couple. Right now, Georgia is the closest to, I don't care where the game is, status. As far as them winning that particular day, they're the closest. And I do care where the Texas game is this October. As far as Georgia's chances to win that particular day. Hey, how's your Tuesday? Uh, one thing, Chuck, I can say is it's probably better than Tommy Reese's because did you see where it looks like Tommy's going to wind up? Yeah, this is – you talk about, you know, how many chairs are left. <laughs> what happened? One minute you are the offensive coordinator in Notre Dame. You have declined the opportunity to follow your mentor, Brian Kelly, to the LSU offensive coordinator job, but then along comes Nick Saban and you have to say yes to that, and so you follow him – for one year at Tuscaloosa, and then he decides, I'm done. You get at least a courtesy interview for the you job. Do. But surely something good awaits on the other side, even if you're not going to be retained, obviously, by Kalen DeBoer. And it turns out what's waiting on the other side is tight ends coach in Cleveland. Now, look, that's not to knock being an NFL assistant coach. There are worse jobs to have, but um, I don't know, Chuck. I'm just guessing when you thought about the – the ascendant path of your career, this feels like the guy from that Price is Right game going off the Himalayan off the side there. This is not how it was supposed to be for Tommy Reese. No, and it had looked like going in, up to kickoff of the Michigan game that, you know what, with Jalen Milrow, and that's going to be the reason they win, that, I mean, all arrows point north, and after what we thought in September and after we thought with a hire, we were about to be a little bit wrong there. Um you're right. Um, I saw this last night, actually, um, started coming out, and it just it really surprised me that there wasn't at least something uh, of a same sort of Power 5 ilk, if not the Bama ilk, given all the coaches that are assembling brand-new staffs right now. A lifetime of hard work. Children laughing in the kitchen. Family photos on a restaurant wall. A legacy that lives on. It all comes from the power of a conversation. Like the one Tommy Hall had with First Horizon Bank about taking over his father's Charleston-based restaurant business. Now the table is set for a whole new generation. First Horizon Bank. Let's find a way. Go to firsthorizon.com slash Tommy. First Horizon Bank, member FDIC. Support for Extra 106.3 comes from Natural Body Spa and Skin Remedy, celebrating their 35th anniversary and offering gift cards in-store and online. You can discover Mother's Day and anniversary presents online at Natural Body Spa and Skin Remedy at naturalbody.com. Now more college football talk with the king of college football. It's the Chuck Oliver Show on Southern Sports Today. Bottom of hour one, 
It's always going to be our man who is college football matrix. Uh, he uses a laptop, ones and zeros. He knows how to make all of those things do the right thing to create a picture of what is likely to happen uh, based on numbers, input, based on what uh, a team, a coach, a program wants, what the goals are, the outcome of the program. Uh, he can give you a good picture as far as if you hired this person, et cetera. I want to welcome on right now from College Football Matrix, State Bar 2. How you doing, man? Dude, how's it going, Chuck? Oh, it's nothing but good, especially BU right now. So much. We were down to no jobs open. And here's the weird thing. I went on the morning of Nick Saban's announcement. I went on the air and started my show by saying, when Harbaugh leaves, that will start a lot of dominoes, folks. Harbaugh still hadn't left, and all the dominoes are going on. Um, let's jump into this and talk about it. I want to, uh, We're on in Alabama. We're on in Tuscaloosa. So let's talk a little bit about Kalen DeBoer's staff, um, mm-hmm. which I guess is so far, or maybe it's done now. Um, we've talked about some of this before, but as far as retaining Robert Gillespie and Freddie Roach, uh, I know relationships, maintaining and all that, uh, but as beyond the, I know the head coach in Mobile and Birmingham, um, besides that, talk about Gillespie and Roach um, as actual coaches and the bigger picture other than they're still local. Right. Well, you know, I mean, uh, you know, one of the parts of the process is uh, when any time uh, a new coach comes in, we'll give a report card of everybody that they could inherit. Um, Roach uh, was by far and away the highest graded guy left on the staff. Um, you know, Wiggins went to A&M. And so retaining Roach, excellent. Uh, high high four-star defensive line coach. So that made a lot of sense. The second best guy, the second highest career-ranked guy was Gillespie. So that made a lot of sense as well. Uh, so I, I think that those were two very good decisions uh, in terms of our numbers relative to the staff. Uh, so that that was uh, those are those are good building blocks to this whole staff because this whole staff um, they are improving in just about every single position across the board. All right, well let's go across state there to Auburn, um, and there's a whole lot of new coaches on that staff, including Charles Kelly, uh, Ken Austin, Derek Nix is back. Um, DJ Durkin might be. First of all, let's talk about what we know. Derek Nix is back and listed as offensive coordinator and running backs coach. Tell me what you think about his addition because they're boys from way back. Well, I, I think the addition is is big time recruiting support for Coach Reese. Um, you know, Derek has has been in the SEC a long time. His connectivity is really strong, and I think the the bigger part here is is taking some of the recruiting pressure uh, off of Hugh. So, uh, and and there's a there's an element of coaching continuity as well, having worked together before. So, uh, really like that addition. Um, I think one of the big things. Uh, big coaching aspects that wasn't talked about or hasn't been talked about that much is getting McGriff back. Uh, he's oh, from highest, A&M? Yeah, from A&M. You know, they lost him. He's the highest rated safeties coach in the SEC. They got him back. Uh, they did lose Etheridge to Houston, but from a grade standpoint, there is a pretty grand canyon uh, between Etheridge and McGriff. So I, I think McGriff coming back to uh, Auburn was a, was a much bigger deal than people are making of it. 
Speculate with me, DJ Durkin, because he's unemployed right now, I believe. I think. Um, is, oh, well, that was a groan. Um, I, don't, I don't know. I don't, I don't want to go too far into the weeds on this one, Chuck, because I'm in the weeds on this one, Chuck. So, right. but, but, but DJ is a solid DC. Okay, he he for his career, um, and you know four four star low four star DC uh, doesn't put up elite numbers, puts up consistent numbers. His his, his floor is high, his ceiling is mid, um, and, and he's a solid DC, uh, and he and he he'd be right in the mix uh, in the middle of of average DC in the SEC right now. All right, let's bounce over to some more that we know, and I think we know this. Bo Davis is a. F- Officially on the LSU staff now. Um, I heard yeah. ten different things about Bo Davis this offseason, or you know, as far mm. as where he may go. Um, talk about Corey Raymond. Talk about uh, if you can Jake Olson, who comes over from Missouri. Boy, Missouri staff got rated, um, <laughs> and he has been an analyst, so you may not even have anything. Just talk about the overall dossier of the defensive coaching staff now versus like two months ago. Uh, yeah, well, uh, two two months ago, actually. What was it? Uh, nine months ago, or no, three months ago, we we were saying this is the worst defensive staff combination in the SEC. Um, now the average grade on the defensive staff has improved twenty one percent in the last month. Massive upgrades everywhere. You got a three and a half star DC. Uh, you got a four, four and a half star defensive line coach. You got a three and a half star DB coach in Corey Raymond. Uh, Peoples on the edge is excellent. Uh, so the defensive profile has improved dramatically. I don't think it's improved as much as people think. You know, that word elite gets thrown around a lot. Yeah. And in my opinion, way, 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 way too much. Um, but LSU is remarkably better at every single spot, and a couple of them significantly better. All right. Well, give me your suspicions, your 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 beliefs, whatever they are, negative, positive, somewhere in the middle, because yeah. Jeff Lebby is a first-time head coach at a program with their third head coach in three seasons, and now Oklahoma and Texas are in the conference. Um, I like. I don't like any of this so far. Um, I don't know anything about Matt Barnes, who is, I guess he had been the D.C. coach at Memphis, and now he's on the staff there. Um, some of the other names that I saw there, like you know this stuff. I don't. It's hard to win with just coaching in the SEC. you got to ask horses. But tell yeah. a Mississippi State fan what they have as far as the sidelines and the booth. Well, they're, they're the most difficult one to project. Because look at all the look at all the inexperience you have at that position, right? We got a new DC in, in Hustler came came over from Alabama. Um, now he, he was one of the best special teams coordinator, linebacker, coach combos in the country, right? But he's still never been a DC, so we got nothing there. And Jeff, well, you know, ran a top ten offense last year, but he's never been a head coach. You got nothing there. Um, I think at four of the positions. We have no experience. There's no grade. Um, so th- this one, this is going to be a process. You know, it'll take three or four years to figure out really what direction this very young staff is going. Um, 
there's a lot of upside to it, but at the same time, with inexperience, there's downside. So trying to speculate on Mississippi State is probably the most difficult one. In fact, in my opinion, is absolutely the most difficult one uh, in the SEC going into this next season. Last thing before we take a break, I'll go way, way, way out west, uh, Texas A&M, Colin Klein as OC. Um, I remember him. Somehow, I think he wound up on a first-team all-conference team, despite Robert Griffin being in the conference, winning the Heisman with that year. Um, but then he goes into coaching, and now this is where he is. Uh, what do you think about Colin Klein to this point? Oh, really solid so far. Uh, you're kind of on the right track, though, is, is this point, because I think we got, what, three years of experience? Yep. I mean, we, we just don't have a fleshed out, what's his floor, what's his ceiling. He's been at one program, basically with one quarterback. Uh, we like the hire. Tons of potential there, okay? We love the pairing of his pace with what Elko likes as a defensive coordinator. Like that combination as well. But um, he, he hasn't put up super elite numbers. And now that he has really good talent at A&M, um, it's certainly one of the guys that we have circled in terms of what is he going to do now that he is not at Kansas State and has Texas A&M talent. Going to take a break and come back. The former East Division in the SEC, as well as some national. Bill O'Brien, what are you doing, Ohio State? Uh, we're going to talk a lot of stuff with uh, our good friend Dave Bartu. That continues next on Chuck Oliver Show. to Southern Sports Today and the Chuck Oliver Show. Tuesday on the Chuck Oliver Show, and we are talking to my good friend Dave Bartu. Dave is college football matrix, and we're going to jump back into what I want to talk about in just a second. But Dave, tell them a little more formally uh, who you are and what you do. <laughs> I would tell stories with numbers, um, and we focus on staffing. Uh, whether it's college football or the NFL, which, which by the way, uh, this afternoon, um, sitting down with uh, with a group in the NFL and uh, going to go over some of the guys that uh, they're, they're targeting for this next wave. So the uh, the NFL ripple is coming down the pipe, Chuck. So coaches and then quarterbacks as far as players, that's what you talk about. Um, yep. Yep, right. that is exactly what we deal, we deal with. Actually, here's a cool thing that we've actually tied in from the NFL side is we've taken all the undrafted NFL free agents that have made a roster, that have made a start, and we have correlated it back with their coaches in college. So we actually have a breakdown of coaching guys up. Even though they didn't get drafted, we're finding ways to give credit to these guys uh, for undrafted free agents as well. If there is a thread that runs through it that has mm -hmm. always been there, but no one has ever identified it, I mean, literally, it's like you've got a guy good enough to be on the active roster just laying there. Reach down. Pick him up, man. It's 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 free knowledge. Well, it's not free, but it's available. Um, South Carolina. I'm going to talk about yes. losing a special teams coordinator. Um, that can be impactful. Tell me about Pete Limbo, because Buffalo made Pete Limbo its head coach. Yeah, yeah, they, they brought uh, Pete back into the MAC after the MAC had got rid of Pete. and uh, But as a special teams coordinator, Pete Lumbo, top five active special teams coordinator in college football, easily. Um, and so South Carolina just lost their highest graded unit coach. Now, I don't know what else Pete did 
from a recruiting standpoint, from a staffing standpoint. I don't know how much of a glue guy he was. He, he, he felt like he was more than a special teams coordinator. He felt like there was more glue there than I think people are giving him credit for. But South Carolina lost their best unit coach, and that is not easily replaceable. Uh, so, you know, from, from a coaching standpoint, I think South Carolina took another step back uh, with the loss of Lembo. I'm going to paint with a broad brush here because it's not always true. But if I see a running backs coach got fired, either it was a personnel issue or you just don't recruit. Because, I mean, if you're a running backs coach, there are some positions where you got to get signatures. Uh, South Carolina has a new running backs coach in Markel Blackwell. Also, James Coley is on the staff now coaching receivers. I know what Coley and Blackwell do. They get signatures. Is that correct? Yeah, that's what they do because they're on field. They are their careers are average. You know, they're 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 in, they're in the fifties, so they're they're in the mid level of all of the other position coaches. So, from a position coach standpoint, nothing um, nothing special there. Okay, uh, middle of the pack, fiftieth percentile. So yeah, they better be getting signatures uh, because their career on the field uh, isn't elite enough to say that's what they were hired for. (laughs) All right. Give me a full picture because I think like for an Ohio state fan, maybe, I don't know, but for an Ohio state fan, you may see Bill O'Brien being brought in as offensive coordinator and, huh? Um, Give me a flyover. Tell a Buckeye Um, fan listening right now what the program has in its new OC. You know, we were looking at his numbers, and so we pulled Bill O'Brien's grade. If Ohio State did this last year, preseason, Bill O'Brien, without Oregon, without Washington, without Lincoln Riley at USC, without Chip Kelly at UCLA, Bill O'Brien would have graded out as the eighth best offensive coordinator in the Big Ten to start the season last year. Eight. Boy, they. Okay, now you brought in Jonathan Smith, right? You brought in Jed Fish. You brought in Will Stein from Oregon. You brought in Lincoln Riley. You brought in Chip Kelly. Bill O'Brien's probably going to fall somewhere between number 10 and number 12 in the Big Ten as an offensive coordinator. Ohio State's not between 10 and 12 in anything in the conference. Pre-game meal, no. pain on the field. No, like, no, this is a this is a bottom three graded coach on their staff, bottom three. So, um, in the simplest terms possible, not a fan. <laughs> Fair enough. Um, has I, and I apologize for not knowing. Has Iowa moved yet? To replace? No, no. I, 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 I didn't see it. Um, I, I thought they shoved the, the paperwork across to Christ, which would have been, oh, that'd been glorious. Paul Christ and Phil Parker. Oh, yeah. Give me all of that in the Big Ten. Uh, but I think he turned it down. And so I think it's back to the drawing board for Kirk. I, I would love to know why that was turned down because I thought that was a really good opportunity uh, for Chris, but yeah, apparently I was still out there looking around. All right, let's go out to Boulder. And I want to give you the disclaimer, Dion. I don't know. He's a better player. He's a better coach. He knows more. Like I give him, he knows way, way, way more than me. 
you do need some continuity, whether it's on the roster or the staff. You need something mm-hmm. to be the same. Talk to me about Pat Shermer, the OC and QB's coach. Um, well, you know, for, from a from a college standpoint, really not much information there, right? And, and so, um, I think it's a huge reach, but uh, there is there's not enough data to try to figure out how this guy is going to be, you know, how he's going to perform at the college level. But man, I mean, they, they just, they, no continuity whatsoever. You got no coaching continuity, you got no player continuity. You're just churning through the rosters. How do you get better if everybody, if it's a revolving door, I just, I don't know who you bring in, whether it's Shermer or Chuck Oliver or Dave Bartu, who do you bring in when you have double digit new starters every single year in and year out? It just, it doesn't seem like a, a winning situation. Yeah. And they've got, they brought Jason Phillips down from the CFL. They've got Phil Lowhold, who was an analyst at OU now coaching offensive line. And I'm looking around, I'm like, some of this stuff is just weird. Um, All right, Arizona, Brent Brennan. I was talking about him yesterday, Colt Brennan's cousin. Um, I was talking about the Colt Brennan end of this. But he's all I know. Literally, if if Arizona was going to reach into the G5, like he was the guy that a lot of folks said, yeah, this is where where you want to go. Tell me about Brent Brennan and why Arizona could be okay going forward because they had a pop season, man. They they, they, they did, and they could be okay going forward because Brennan has popped some really good years, right? I mean, we've seen it. He had a really good year at San Jose State this year. A couple years ago, he won the conference uh, or was in the conference title game. But on the flip side, when he doesn't have a good year, it's not a very good year, Chuck. I mean, he has wide field goal posts. His upper level, his ceiling is really good, but his floor is really bad. Um, I think it's a more risky hire than people are giving it credit for. Um, and I think the lack of consistency in his career has been because, you know, it causes that for us. But again, I know it's San Jose State. It's hard to win at San Jose State. But I think the lack of consistency, especially on the downside, uh, gives me some pause. Uh, but from a, from an emotional standpoint, it seemed like a pretty good hire from the yeah. fan base, player base, and so forth. It, do you – I don't know if you can, like, postscript, because I want to know why it was a pop season. What did Jed Fish or the staff or the players or the moon and the stars – like, what was right for four months at the end of 2023 for it to be so good that the Arizona coach who – I honestly was surprised he got that job, and now he's the coach at Washington? So I was like, wh- why did it get so right last year? Is it turnovers? Is it defensive efficiency? Whatever happened, because even in games they lost, I looked at them and I was like, they just played Washington really tough. Yeah, every, everything worked for them last year. I mean, three years ago, they were 1-11. And, and, yeah, I guess you got to give Jed Fish the credit for having a vision and carrying it out. Yeah. Now, part of it could be freshman phenom quarterback. You and I both know that a great quarterback, you know, all boats rise with that tide. So, um, you know, they, they, they found their quarterback, but even still it was a top 30 scoring efficiency defense as well. 
So whatever plan or program Ded had, he executed it, and it worked out phenomenal last year. Now, can he go and redo that at, at Washington? I don't know. But in terms of risk, uh, he was probably, what, third, fourth best risk on the board? There wasn't a lot of opportunity for Washington to bring somebody in that had a good risk profile. So, you know, this is a guy who's built from the ground up. Washington has already lost, what, 20 of 24 starters? Yeah. 19 and 24. So Washington is is a lot more in rebuild mode, I think, than people realize. So this guy's done that. So I like that side of it uh, on that equation. I think every program is in rebuild. Like, And I'm not trying to be snarky or snappy. I think beginning mm-hmm. in December, after championship Saturday, when that portal window opens, I think every program is in immediate rebuild every single year. And so that is a skill like the skill to retain players. A little less attrition means a little more coaching. Um, yep. There is a whole different set of metrics uh, to measure a coach in a program by now. Dave, appreciate you, brother. Thank you so much. Thank you, buddy. Talk to you later. Dave Bar to CP Matrix. So it's it, when I just said there, attrition. Like, if you can somehow limit attrition, not eliminate, you're not going to do that. We had three kids lead the program. Oh, you must be a bad program. No, 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 just limit it. Less time recruiting means more time coaching. And so it's a whole new skill set for a lot of these guys. Tonight in Arkansas, there's a mother tucking in her daughter and turning off the light. A business owner is burning the midnight oil. An at-home dinner date is plating up possibility. And it's all happening under one roof. How? The power of a conversation, like the one John from Integrity Solutions had with First Horizon Bank about his vision for a sustainable mixed-use building. Now it's not just words, it's life. First Horizon Bank, let's find a way. Go to firsthorizon.com slash John. First Horizon Bank, member FDIC. Support for Extra 106.3 comes from Natural Body Spa and Skin Remedy, celebrating their 35th anniversary and offering gift cards in-store and online. You can discover Mother's Day and anniversary presents online at Natural Body Spa and Skin Remedy at naturalbody.com. Hi, I'm Mark Beckham with Atlanta Ramjack. We specialize in only foundation repair. What is foundation repair? Foundations sink or settle. These issues need to be addressed. It only becomes more costly the longer you put it off. What is the biggest cause of foundation problem? Either poor construction, inferior site preparation, or weather. Drought causes cracks in your foundations. If you see any signs of foundation issues, please contact us at atlantaramjack.com. 